I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oi, the boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty. It's time to get this body started With Danny, Jimmy, Gregor, Andy, Jimmy, JC All we know and all we talk about is booty booty It's time to get this body started tonight You're listening to Footy Prime The Broadcast, A broad perspective of all things footy Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix Mary Beth was at the game and she met up with Dee and Tom and those guys Erin um, McLeod's sister, Megan um, Very nice. Yeah, lots of people. I met Derek Martin. Is Megan going to come out to Victoria? I did not ask her. <laughs> but I'm very excited that I booked my ticket to, to Vancouver. And you're equally as excited that I'm coming to crash at your place. Of course. I'm know. telling you, I'm telling you how excited you are. I am. <laughs> Love when people come. <laughs> Unfortunately, so do my nephews. So they, they bring out their extra stompy boots for visitors. <laughs> their extra what? Oh, their extra stompy boots? Mm. Yeah. Call it the the running of the bulls every morning. <laughs> that is every time I'm recording a podcast or a meeting downstairs at home. And I'm like, you guys need to be quiet. And their version of quiet is not the same version as my quiet and all of the movement, even if they're trying to be quiet and they're, they're tiptoeing. I think they tiptoe on their heels. <laughs> it's just not really tiptoeing. They do try. They just forget. Yeah. So Claire, Claire just sent me a note that she just remembered about the broadcast. And so she's going to put clothes on and she will join us. You could do a nice. nude cast. No, I don't want to be part of that. No. <laughs> I feel like we would lead with your content. I think you would do very well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I put uh, my alarm on for maybe four minutes ago. So. Oh, my God. Sleep is here. Yeah. 
I can't get my camera to work, uh, which is a real shame because I'm dressed like Pikachu. Wait, you kept your costume on from last night? No, I just threw it on now because I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be in a podcast in like 30 seconds. It was the closest thing I could find, but it won't make my camera go on. Oh, well, sad. Do you want to hop off and then we can bring you back in and see if that works? Because the visual of the Pikachu costume would be glorious. (laughs) Okay, I'll try. Okay. (laughs) So what did you do? A quick Halloween wrap up before we get going and diving into the match. Nothing I had to obviously... We M had two days off a couple of days ago, so um, we just sort of went out that night, and she had training. So. Now you care. glossed over a lot of stuff here. So you went out that night. Were there costumes involved? No. Oh, so boring. She did make me dress. Do you know what Rocky and Bullwinkle is? Yes. You mean like I wait, as a place or the characters? The characters. Oh, of course. You don't? Oh, I don't. It didn't I, make it I to know. my family. Yeah, you guys also didn't <laughs> no. have cable. Sorry, guys. It's saying my computer, they can't, it can't find a camera, which is probably because my computer is like eight years old. Yeah, this is, this is terrible Definitely. news. Claire, for the, for the socials, it would have been so good. I'm going to pull the picture that you posted yesterday because it was a picture of you in a pikachu it looked like kind of a plushy costume and you could just see your long ginger braid coming out of was it the mouth or the neck no i was I like no it, it's got a hood on it and i just tilted my head down mm. and so you could see the face on it um that's such a disappointing technology problem to have it makes me feel really old <laughs> yeah. yes well speaking of of old there were many characters because reen was just talking about rocky and bullwinkle you know oh uh, yeah yeah okay yeah. ha mm. there we go so reen didn't but yesterday yep. we went out after the game for a beer with d and tom and aaron mcleod's sister megan my sister-in-law mary beth bowie and it was just a good time but i would i swear to god like i had three references of characters one of whom was relic from the beachcombers do you guys know relic because <sighs> no. tom nice had his toque on you do, you go you're from the West Coast, Claire. You got. I know. I used to watch it, but I don't. I was I was really young then. Okay, but you at least know the reference. <laughs> yes, of course. I know Beachcombers. Yes, and I pulled up a picture, and it did like a side by side of of Relic and Tom wearing his toque, and Megan was like, "This is a terrible comparison." I was like, "Oh, good, terrific." Yeah. Not only did no one know the reference, but you didn't like the work that I put in to compare the two. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but Halloween. Um, my kids were were pretty pissed that I wasn't going to be home for Halloween, that I was going to be out in Halifax covering the game. Yeah. Um, but we went out for that beer, and it's almost like for a moment we'd be chatting about about soccer and then forget that it was Halloween and then see somebody walk by as like Deadpool or, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, uh, like a zombie bride or something. And he'd like take you by surprise and be like, oh, yes, Halloween. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, uh, we went as... Uh... Uh, uh, all Pokemons. Milo was Charizard, and Charizard. Charizard is a little. It's the third evolution <laughs> of. It goes Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard. Don't I know way too much about Pokemon at the stage? Um, and he 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 looks like a little dragon. So every house we went to, everyone's like, "Oh, you're a dragon." He's like, "No, I'm oh. Charizard," except for one house, which I will describe as smelling very herbal. 
And the guy who answered the door was like, dude, Charizard. How's it going? thrilled. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's all you want, right? When you're dressed up in your costume, you just just want to be recognized. You just want to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) I was really, my uh, brother-in-law made my nephew's costume, and I thought it was such a, like, uh, Nice throwback was just thinking of my dad making, well, I was a clown every year, but sorry to be a taxi driver every year because he made a car one time. And uh, yeah, it was really kind of cute. Yeah. So he was a banana and a squirrel. Was, so they Before made we banana get any costume. Further. Wait, Leon, pa- pause right now. We can maybe add this visual later. You can send that to me. This is Footy Prime, the broadcast. We're six minutes and 48 seconds in, and I've still not said it. I'm Amy Walsh. Rian Wilkinson is here as well as, audio claire rustad which is still great we're we're really pleased to have you claire your visual would be better but i know and here we are and we're we're talking about halloween before we dive into canada's women's national team their two game series against against brazil which was was pretty cool but one last thing um were you done your your story there with the halloween yeah i just said it was a nice throwback to i mean I've got five, six nieces and nephews. Whoops. And, uh, you know, there's a homemade costume <laughs> in there, which is nice. Yeah, there, there's a horrifying Walsh sister clown photo where my mom must have worked so hard because I must have been 12. So Sarah and Cindy were 10. Bonnie was eight. Actually, maybe it's skewing a little bit younger than that. And it's like it's it's nightmare fuel. It's fucking yeah, horrifying. But and I'm I'm sure we reuse those costumes many, many times. And then um quick Halloween story from last night. Mary Beth was talking about one of her favorite costumes. She frequently because she has three sisters as well and an older brother, she frequently would pair up with her older sister Andrea, and they would be like a duo. And actually, this was spurred on because D was posh spice and Anastasia Amazing. was Bex. So good, so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so she was showing us those photos and that got Mary Beth talking about the costumes, um, that she would do kind of couple costumes, I guess, with her older sister. So one year, Andrea went as Elizabeth Manley and Mary Beth went, she had this one piece purple, so eighties, um, snowsuit with a belt on it. And she went, she was like Liz Manley's coach. And that was like their costume. So after we got back last night and we got into the beers a little bit more, I tried on said onesie and it was I would delightful. Like I did many lunges, uh, silly. My brother was required in order to attach the belt, <laughs> but it was good. So I got a little taste of, of Mary Beth's um, childhood there and trying on that costume. I got, a, I got to feel like I had a costume as well, but, uh, but the atmosphere, yeah. Yeah. The Eau Claire. How was the atmosphere the game? It was amazing. So yeah. I got a chance I mean, this they announced past summer. The crowd. Sorry. They announced the crowd and, it, you know, you know, you knew it wasn't a huge venue. You knew it had sold out, but they announced it and it seemed so low for how much noise they were generating. Well, clearly, like, they all showed up and it, I, it, was, it was a great crowd. Well, it's a fabulous. That it's Halifax. Like, What's that, Claire? Well, anywhere, anywhere is going to be able to do that. It's Halifax. I mean, it's that. that yeah, I think, I think were, generally for Wanderers games, I think they feel the same, so. Yeah, I got a chance to go to the uh, to a Halifax Wanderers game this past summer with uh, with Mary Beth and, and my brother Ian and, and the kids, and it was it's just an unreal atmosphere. And it's a temporary stadium, 
So they've submitted a proposal to, to keep it there, which is essential because you're, you're right in the hub of everything. And that's where you need to be in order to have success. Um, I think for sport in Canada, and it's just such a, it's just a great vibe out here. I love the East coast. And uh, Bev was talking mm-hmm. about that post game. She's talking about the crowd. She's talking about the atmosphere um, and saying how we need a, a project A team out here. And that, I think that's critical as well for the development of players. They have somewhere to go because a lot of the players from here end up, they don't end up playing and, and thriving here when they get to a certain age. They end up going out west to Vancouver or Calgary or wherever. We need to have a proper East Coast hub. Yeah, well, you're sister-in-law being a great example of a top player who um yeah could have gone further but i also i I thought there was a lot bev mentioned project eight a lot um i thought that was that was brilliant there was one woman by the mic i'm not sure if amy you were working it you couldn't hear claire did you did you hear this woman because early in the game she yelled come on you canadians (laughs) (laughs) which is such a canadian thing to say isn't it i know i think i did Yes, and I, think and then I also swear I could hear Amy laugh multiple times. <laughs> yes, you I'm could not hear sure Carm laugh. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, I could Carm hear Carm was dying. I actually texted her because yeah. honestly, it was crisp. Everything was a little bit less clear. There was a few that could come. And then all of a sudden, this woman, come on, you Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like okay. that should be like a rallying cry or like we should make t-shirts, right? Yeah. Uh, no the just her. No official Kick nickname. <laughs> That's right. No official nickname. Come on, yeah. you Canadian. Yeah. You Canadian? Or if it was East Coast, it'd be come on, use. Come yeah, on, yeah. use Canadians. Use Canadians. Yeah. Yeah. But that's part of the oh, appeal of of Wanderers Grounds is not only is it where everything's happening, there's there's pubs around there, there's restaurants. Um, you know, the Citadel's right there, it's right in the common. Um but from my perspective, from my vantage point, so I was talking to somebody at One Soccer about this. I'm like, you guys, I don't feel like I'm doing much heavy lifting here. So I'm involved in, I do like an arrival interview. So yesterday it was, was with Bev straight off the bus, involved in a pregame show, but then I'm not pulled in at halftime. I'm not doing any hits during the game like I do when I'm on the sideline for CF Montreal. So I basically just get to watch the game. And then I'm involved also uh, post-game show and post-game interview. Um, so I feel like I'm not that I'm peripheral, but like, I'm just not doing a whole heck of a lot. Um, and also mm. in terms of talking about the game. So selfishly, I'm so excited to dive into it with, with you guys, but like I was right next to the bench and it must be said, I don't know her name, but somebody on the Canadian, um, staff brought me a blanket. Um, uh, Philo, who's the, the comms person, the media person, like the liaison, she brought me a coffee and like a hand warmer. Um, they're terrific. They're great, but it gave me, come on, you Canadians. I mean, which also very Canadian, right. To like take care of of everybody. But I was just like a couple feet away from the staff. So it really gave me good insight into how they operate. And I was talking to Jasmine, the assistant coach after the game and the way that they're working their substitutions. Cause I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but the way that they adapted, we were talking about Bev and, and what she needs to do in order to, I think, best utilize the the types of players that she has and like sort of the collective talent at her disposal. And I think that she really got the substitutions right yesterday because the second half was just like a completely different game from that first half. I don't know what you thought about that, Ree. Yeah, I think um, 
first thing, and I'm going to talk about the venue really quick because it really highlights the importance of having a central location. Like if it's too small, you can, D always says this, you can throw money at it and make it bigger, right? If it's too big, you can put tarps at the top tier and make it smaller. But if it's out of the, out of town, it's really hard to get people there. And when you're at somewhere downtown and you see the crowd show up and they're excited to be there, they don't all leave with like 20 minutes to go. Um, It's a pretty cool thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, coming back to Bev, um, she took some hits after the world cup and I, I've, I think she's stood up tall. She's taken them on the chin and she's kind of, she keeps doing her thing. And again, we talked about a previous podcast where it's like, she's finally trying all these things. I think she's had them. She just was really hamstrung by a lot of injuries and, you know, she's trying new, new faces and players. And so getting her subs right at half, absolutely. But also I think she had a plan. I don't think this is off the cuff. I do think she is making some changes as mm-hmm. to she allows herself to do that for the game. But this was always her plan, like starting Emma Reagan. Like there's a lot of things she's doing, putting Sabs, D'Angelo in net. She's giving people opportunities. She's seeing our young players. And that's something that the U.S. has been accused of not doing. She's been accused of not doing in the past. She's doing it. Um, and you know, the results sometimes suffer through that process, but she's having to do it at home. So there's the flip side of like, you really want home games, actually trying people. It's easier when you're not at home, but she's got to do it to do the right thing before the, the upcoming uh, Olympics. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, she was hamstrung by injuries, but I think she was hamstrung also by expectations. And because I think she had opportunities to do something like this, um, because I, I mean, I, as someone who has been very critical and probably dished out a few of those hits to her, um, I think that when, when you're so close to something like a world cup, I think there's this, this expectation that you should be, that you can't experiment a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think there, I, for me, I think there was such a big miss. I, I think I've talked about it before. It was such a big missed opportunity um, in the games leading up to the world cup last year, where they had what was it? She believes, and then the the match against France, where they had very little preparation. Claire, remember that? I, yeah, no, no, I remember that. But but there was preparation, like it was there, and and there was a moment where they started they started D'Angelo, and she went down injured, and then instead of bringing in Prue, who they should, probably should have tr- at least tried to get some minutes in, they brought Sher- she brought Sheridan back in, and it just didn't seem like there was a willingness to take risks at that point. And I get that that's it's tight and there wasn't a lot of preparation um, and that it may have been challenging um, to kind of do that. But, but I, I think what, what feels, what it felt like to me over the last few games, not just the most recent ones against Brazil, but that she, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, Oh yeah. No, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's 6 AM Pacific time. I said the morning I was treating last night. Is that I think it, it seems to me like she's looking at the group as more of a whole now, as opposed to a bunch of individuals. Like, how do we put? How do these individuals fit together? And now looking at it, like, how does? It, which is great, I think. Like, how does this group function as a unit? Um, and but Claire, can I just stop you there for a second? Yeah. Don't mean to interrupt, but do you think now she has, she's talked about these 13 prep games that she thinks she's going to get yeah. leading into Paris yeah. and now it's, that's down to 11. So you're still every 
match is critical, right? And it goes yeah. back to what Rian's saying about the plan. She didn't have the luxury of, of that, of the time going into the World Cup. And, and again, this is me maybe playing devil's advocate because I was also critical about her choices and to build yeah. around Christine. But maybe, Rian, you can just jump in here with, from a coach's perspective, yeah. when you have that plan, like it's not something she's throwing together hastily like she, yeah. she had a plan with the, the very little prep time that she had leading into the world cup well i'm not suggesting this was this was hastily it was hastily thrown together that's not necessarily what i'm suggesting yeah i think maybe no. and, I, and i'm not even re specifically referencing just the short world cup prep i mean there was time before that right like this this it's taken a lot of time to kind of get to this point um anyway sorry Reed, go ahead not at all. I think it is your job as as commentators on the game to be critical. So that is part of what you do. Right? You can't, we can't just be like throwing roses at them. They they had they really struggled. The balance with coaching is, of course, when when do you stop trying things? Because then you're accused of not knowing, of tinkering. Also, you lose trust. Your players lose trust in you. And they are huge about like, we want to cement down our partnerships. So you've got pressure from your players. You've got pressure from the media in a different way, which is like, don't even know you're starting 11 yet. There's this fine line. And I think that that really hurt Bev going into the World Cup because she couldn't cement down the 11 with so many injuries. I don't think she did know. Um, she knew she couldn't play the, the back three as she clearly had wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, and even then we haven't got the full report of the injuries. I, I do believe there were players on the field who shouldn't have been there as well as an in injured. Um, so I think it was even more dire than we know. Um, but Bev now and her staff, I think have done a great autopsy. I did that for you, Claire. You're welcome. <laughs> and you. I think, uh, <laughs> I feel so. Is she incisive yeah. in choices? Really? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> in um deciding who exactly. should be <laughs> i'm done here no like she's she's very clear on the young player she wants to see like starting i think it was emma reagan's second clap but her first was like 2018 against the concacaf a lower ranked CONCACAF nation. I think they said 12, nothing like this was really her first cap against Brazil. And there was moments where she struggled. Like the pressure was it's coming so quickly, like imagine um, your first cap against a Brazil that's pressing high. And then she got into a rhythm and she made some credible tackles. I took a lot of credit for some of the timings. I thought like I taught her that. And then um, <laughs> you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they're amazing. I do think she had decided a beautiful she needs one, a beautiful one at the beginning yeah, of, the of the second yeah. half. It was glorious. Like it was perfection in terms of a tackle, in terms of the timing, the way that she scooped the ball and gathered it and kept it. Right. So that was all you read. Oh yeah, for sure. Anything <laughs> that they've done well, especially the young players. I'm like, I think Carm must be taking it. We were both their coaches when they were young. So that's fun. I just think she has a plan and she's executing it really well. You, I love that you were by the bench. People don't realize how much is happening. So I think Andy has her, is her first assistant. I think Jazz yeah. is on a uh, huddle with the eye in the sky. I think Joey Lombardi's there. This is a very active bench that's constantly communicating. Um, they got Chloe Whirl there, other sports scientist, who's making sure that they're not going above minutes. There's players that are in the in full season in, in Europe. There's also players that are in the playoffs. And she's managing minutes through all this as well because she's being respectful to club teams. She doesn't have to, but mm -hmm. she's keeping those relationships alive. And then she's able to to bring in players to really sort of 
just to see everyone. So I love what Claire said. She should have been roundly criticized for not trying new players because there was timing, but then you have to balance players and their demands for, for building partnerships. And it's like, who do you let win the media or, or keep your team in a good spot? And yeah, you know, I, I want to, before we move on it. Yeah. And diving into the game a little bit more um, precisely or specifically um, something you said there um, made me think of how I've been critical of Bev, where she, she seems to have these trust issues with players coming in in great club form, but seemed unwilling to give them meaningful minutes with the national team. And now we've seen two examples of it with Sydney Collins in those two key matchups, um, pressure filled to, to get them over the line and qualified for Paris against Jamaica. So it was her second and third caps, I believe, but a, a, a key piece of, of that back line and the system that they wanted to play. And then again, starting Emma Reagan. So, where I, when I was critical of her, it was a player like Chloe Lacasse, who seemed like didn't matter what she was doing at club, but she couldn't get those meaningful minutes when she came into the national team. So maybe Claire, you can lead off here. Like with Bev, is are we seeing a shift now because she has this luxury of time, so she has time to tinker, um, or is it maybe a shift in her in her coaching mindset? Oh, I mean, I, I, I it's really difficult to speak kind of on her behalf like that. I think we're surmising, Claire. Yeah. I'm a doctor. I'm not a psychic. Um, <laughs> so, no. So I, I think, I think, I mean, I kind of tend to the gentle lay on the like burn it down side of things sometimes. But um, I mean, I, I, I think what I was frustrated by with the world cup is as, as we mentioned, there's, there were probably a lot of players there who probably shouldn't have been there or maybe were like playing with injuries outside of the known kind of Nichelle Prince, Deanne Rose crew. And it just, it kind of felt like, I mean, there was an opportunity there to be like, okay, we at least take healthy players. And I know that that would have been a huge media risk. Um, But I think, I I think players like Lacasse should have been given more of a go at the World Cup. And and maybe a player like Sydney Collins should have been brought along to the World Cup. But uh, there were so many players coming with like known injuries and just knowing that they weren't anywhere near 100 percent. That I think that's what I found frustrating is like is is seeing those players play and just and wishing they were at 100 percent, but knowing they weren't and knowing that healthy players were left home. I think that was what and I know I like from a coaching perspective, I'm sure there's a very different mindset for that read, but um, from, from kind of the, the observer's perspective, I found that really frustrating. And that's why, um, when they, when they came out recently against Jamaica and you were just like, Oh, yes. Um, like, it's I so think- funny, Claire, your, your, uh, didn't sound positive. And then you said, yes. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I was like, Oh no, Claire, it's not the direction I thought we were going in. Yeah, no, no, no. I like to really add drama and you can't see me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it just finally, it, it, it felt like, yes. Okay. Finally, you're looking at, at, at not just, not just the known kind of starting 11, that everybody is familiar with you're looking beyond that and like what is available to you as a whole and how to how can we kind of be a little bit more creative with these players and so I, I it, it felt I was so relieved actually when I saw that because I remember when the starting lineup came out for Jamaica I was like wait I think I texted Jenkins I was like what's the starting lineup he sent it to me and he goes oh we think it's this and I was like dude I think they're gonna play like a three four three and I was like oh like I just totally 
Uh, yeah, just just very excited about the create the creative opportunities with that. And I think, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm going to get kind of specific now, but I think it gives the opportunity for players like Lawrence to play farther up the field, which I think is great. Like uh, it, it gives her that kind of in between role where she can still contribute defensively, but but push up the field. And like you said, Amy, like Collins was fantastic, and um, yeah. So I forgot what the original question was, and I went way off topic. No, um, no, it's it's great. Where it'll allow us to sort of dive in a little bit more specifically on players, but just to finish up with Bev, I think now she's so maybe braver with her choices, especially against Jamaica to do that on very little prep time, but now to throw in players, give them a real test. So she's able to assess, but I think she has to balance that assessment of players in, in these games, um, zooming out, looking towards Paris with getting results. So, you know, it was important to rotate a lot of players, a lot of, I think did they make six changes? No, four changes. I think from the yeah, from the game against. Um, I'm going to fast check myself. I think you. But was. you had you Sabrina in net. You had Shalina, Reagan. You had Revere starting, and you had Vienne and Heidema. Yeah, is that six? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that was also. You have to make that call, right? I mean, I you need a different word than than brave, but you're you're trying something different. You're tinkering. You're not afraid to do that. And then she makes her five substitutions. And you're also, as, as a coach, being respectful of the fans, being respectful of somebody like Christine Sinclair to give her enough minutes. So it's quite the balancing act right now I yeah. think for, for Bev. And I think she navigated that to perfection in that game last night. Yeah, I like what uh, Claire was saying. I think um, Bev was caught in something that a lot of coaches get caught in. She was overly loyal. And I was as frustrated as anyone. I think Chloe Lacasse is probably key to success in the coming years. I think she's fantastic. Her energy is exactly what we want from a Canadian player. Um, like Sophie Schmidt in the World Cup. I was yeah. I was very, I thought uh, should be started. So there's all these things, and but I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. So I can't pretend. But I do think it really highlights the Jamaican. Those games were incredibly meaningful. We had to qualify. So calling the changes that Bev made brave is an understatement. And we're seeing that now with all the intricacies that she's having to balance with success, with the send off for sync, with trying things. Those are coaching decisions. I don't find them brave. I think they're really important, but the Jamaica games, this is really fucking ballsy. (laughs) And I think, I think there's like a, there's a, I think this is sort of a Canadian thing to kind of be like, oh, they're brave decisions, but you're right. They're just coaching decisions, right? Like that's just part of coaching. Yeah. she And she has to do them, but we've been saying this and she knows it, but I think that she did, she was very hesitant to make big calls at the world cup for whatever reason that could be, she just was. And so we ended up seeing kind of the same thing and everyone got so frustrated and now we're seeing, a real positivity because there are these youth players or these players that haven't had opportunities that are right there. Um, and she used them and she used them against Jamaica where we had to get results and she tried a different formation. And so for someone who has shown loyalty, who's been almost stuck rigid because she's trying to, to balance so many different things. I thought that was such a important moment for her as a coach. Um, cause it could have gone a different way and then she would have been accused of something else. You know, there's always something it's too yeah. easy, but I, I was, uh, yeah, just so impressed with her in that moment. Um, and now she gets, I mean, I put, I was writing notes while you guys were talking because Sydney Collins is not starting on club form. 
You know, this is where you're like, well, where is it coming from for Bev? Is she more willing to try in different areas of the pitch? Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure, but Shalina started this game where she's been pretty like, it's been Vanessa and Quiche to a fault, but she, you know, well done to Shalina. She had a very strong game. Jade Revere is the future of this team, but needs mm-hmm. to get healthy and needs to, I don't, I don't mean toughen up because she's taken hits all day, but that she's going to be targeted for the rest of her career. You know, same as Ashley Lawrence. Ashley gets targeted like that too when you're these flying wing backs type players. Um, and she's still young and she's learning that. Um, so giving her important moments. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. And that challenge now of Sydney Collins coming in is really important um, to get these players firing. Ashley in the second part of the game, that's the Ashley I know. And she's been, <clears throat> this is going to be a controversial thing. You're welcome. But our players <laughs> that play at big, big teams in Europe often are taking a long time to perform for us. And it includes Kadisha. They're incredible. They take too long on the ball. They get stuck down dead ends. Like Ashley is playing, I would say, a quarter of her talent for most of the games. And then you see these moments. You're like, well, why are you not taking people on more often? And she was, yeah, yeah, maybe you're able to be press resistant in that first half because she was breaking the lines on the dribble and beating players 1v1 and then creating space for others. Every game. Well, then Deanne came on. Deanne Rosen did the same thing. And then you're like, well, here we go. This is, to me, what Canada's lacked. And that is the ability to take people on and break lines as an individual, not just pass your way through. And like turning forward and moving forward, like it's my my big thing as a coach. And it was really frustrating me because we have the talent to do that. We've got such incredible speed and we weren't doing it, but we were in this game eventually, but it took time. <laughs> um, but I do think our top European players are are suffering from maybe sometimes having easier games or the style of play for their team or in their leagues is so different from how we play with Canada that it just takes, just takes too long to get up to speed and, and quiche. Like I'd be all over her because she is incredible. She probably should have been in the conversation for player of the match, but a number of times she just slowly dribbled herself into a dead end. And then she's yep. got to get a foul, get a, throw in you're like if it's not on put your foot on it go back the other way like keep the ball moving and that I think is the the game pace in the WSL or Chelsea just being um dominant over some teams in that league yeah she she was she was dawdling uh, on the ball a little bit and I and I wonder if more more games that that this team is is now going to get this so this run of games and then gold cup and a tournament um, leading up to to Paris, maybe that will help. And all it helps with, with that team cohesion allows them to be more yeah. tactically fluid and, and in-game changes, but it, it helps, like you're saying, with, with the players' individual timing. So when they come into camp, they can be flying. 
already straight out of the gates. But did you guys, so Sabrina was, was brilliant, I thought. So that was only her 14th cap, I believe. So, so important that wow. she's getting these valuable minutes and performed so mm-hmm. well. And she's got a great left boot on her, but she's very adept with her, with her right foot and did, I was very impressed with her distribution and her decision-making. And that second goal comes from Sabs, right? With Chloe gets, I think her first assist um, for, for Canada and then a great finish by, by Deanne. But then another important moment, Claire, maybe you can take it here was, was the insertion of Jesse Fleming. So we talked about um, Emma Reagan getting those minutes um, important for her and her development, important for Bev to assess her. But and Bev leaves her on in the 55th minute, brings in Jesse, and that changes the game instantly. And then the second moment for me was when they ramped up, I think around the 70th minute, when they started to high press, and so many good things came of that. So I don't know if you agree with me, Claire, with those those couple of moments in the second half as as being kind of good turning points for Canada for the better. Yeah, well, I can comment on one, not the other, because I was trick-or-treating at the 70th minute. <laughs> How um, dare you? No, I'm sorry, but my child was very excited to go. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there was a there was a little segment in at halftime, and now I'm going to look like a dick for not remembering. <laughs> um, but there was a segment at halftime. <laughs> I almost did a spit take there. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> when you said I'm going to look like a dick, I almost oh. did a spit take all over my oh. computer. You're welcome. Um, yeah, they did a little segment at halftime about how, like, compressed the team was getting and how how the, the strikers were, were having to come all the way back. Um, and they're just and then and then how they were kind of like getting a bit stretched. So, like, there were just there wasn't that kind of connection. And I think when you bring Fleming in, she connects the lines um, and and is really I mean, I, I, I agree. I thought I thought um Reagan did well, um, but I think from a, a creativity standpoint and from a uh, <laughs> flow standpoint, I think when Fleming comes on, she has that ability to, to connect the back line and connect the, the, the front three in a, in a really meaningful way. Um, I think in their current formation, because I, I, uh, I, I, I agree and disagree with Ree in terms of the speed factor. I think there is speed on this team it did not show at the world cup. And I think there was an injury component to that, but, and I also think the formation did them no favors. And I think the way they're playing now, you're able to showcase the players who have speed, but also showcase the players who are the fastest, but are creative. And, and when you play with that, that three in the front, that's a little bit more compact um, across the field. It allowed, because I think, I think what happened in the world cup when you were, they were playing sort of that four, three, three and the wide players were just getting so stretched wide and the lone striker was just getting isolated up top and they're running in kind of channels and not really playing as a unit. Now they're able to play as a unit. Um, and I think when Fleming comes on, it helps to connect all of those, all of those pieces together. Like she's, she's the little Lego brick. Yeah. I also think you were getting, you were getting width from Ashley being, yes. being really high and probing in the attack yes. um, and from Jade as well, pushing up because they were pinned back by the Brazilian right. pressure in the first half. So the field position was more favorable for Canada, but then that stretch width wise, but then also the depth that you got from Deanne yeah. and, and Chloe, most mm-hmm. often we, we were talking about the importance of, of the dribble and taking players one V one and creating stretch that way. Then all of a sudden those half spaces opened up for Jesse. Yeah. And I think 
I think I, I agree. Like it, it allows, I think it just like, like I said before, like the formation just gets, gets um, the best of these players, right? It, it, you allow Lawrence to get higher, but also provide that width and then allow those front three to be a little bit more compact and function a bit more like a unit. So um, I had something else to say. I keep losing things, guys. This is Rian's not making notes. Rian, you jump in. You have oh, Rian, why did you, you stationary? <laughs> okay. I know. I, well, I, are you finished? Do you remember? I am done. <laughs> I just think I, uh, I agree that I thought the halftime analysis was absolutely right in terms yeah. of so defensive. And that's the danger of playing with a back three. And it always is like, it's such a great formation. I love it as a coach with, on the ball, but as soon as you lose it, your wing backs sit in, you've got five back there and then you try and keep some kind of depth in your midfields. But as soon as you do that, so let's say you just keep one, like almost like some kind of V or however many you're playing in there, then they play behind you and then they're drawing people out of the back line. Um, and then they, so you end up flattening off. So it's so quickly a formation going forward that gives you lots of different lines and people in between lines becomes two very flat banks of players with the one nine. Um, so what I you thought keep saying they did flat about, and I feel like I'm being targeted, Rian, you said flattening off and like, oh, that's what I did in puberty. Instead of going out, I just flattened off. Yeah. Sorry, Walsh. You're, so. you're in a conversation with two girls who do not have that yeah. problem. <laughs> I know. Your nicknames. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but I love that. Yeah. Keep going. Cause Carm was talking and Carm, like she's tremendous. I love Carm on, on color. And it should be said that the tandem, the commentary tandem of Adam Jenkins and Carmelina Moscato this might be controversial, but I'm not afraid to say it might be edging out the commentary duo of Adam Jenkins and Jimmy Brennan. Sorry, Jimmy. I think oh. that Jenkins and Carm, I think they might be better. No, they were, they were great. I didn't, I didn't hear all of it. Not because I was trick or treating, but because I kept laughing at that lady and had to mute myself. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you Canadians. But keep going. So you're talking about the, the back line yeah, shape and like, how it can get flat. Because I totally agree. It gets flat. <laughs> no, I agree too. I think that's a good point. They were fantastic. And uh, having you there, I think makes a big difference, Amy. I know you don't, I don't you know if you feel that, but you know, otherwise we wouldn't get those clips where people walked past you during a live broadcast <laughs> oh, yeah. and get your yeah. essential um, viewing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm contributing so much. Yeah. Amy Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're very, very disciplined defensively and that's been knocked into us since the time we were on the team. Um, and so because of that discipline, you get your wing back sitting right in with the back line. You've got, you know, we already play with two defensive midfielders. So they're sitting right on front of our back five. And then you've got the forwards where you'd leave one nine up. So they're penduluming down to try and take care of, of a space in between or a pocket in between. So very quickly, because we're so disciplined and a team against Brazil that throws huge numbers forward, you're going to sit low. And I think in the second half, yes, we had the changes, um, but we also started just playing off shoulders and, and standing behind and not always being that responsible air quotes had to do it one time um, <laughs> player. That's going to be, between, between their player and the net because it's chicken and the egg sometimes if you stand there the player's loving it they can or if you stand behind them then are they going to back up and try and defend you in case there's a, a transition um so because emma reagan so emma reagan came through our system as a fullback um so she's now playing defensive mid which is okay. so it, it's very cool but, you know ashley as well 
can play midfielder, can play wide. She can play a winger. We've got players coming through um, who can play a variety of positions. Um, and what I agreed with what Claire said, who challenged me about speed. Yeah. When you don't have Nichelle Prince or you don't have a Deanne Rose out there, when you're relying on Evelyn Viennes and uh, Christine Sinclair for speed at this point, you're not going to be breaking many lines with your, um, with your forwards. You have to do it with your midfields and our midfielders are not historically the really quick ones. They're very disciplined at, at breaking lines, but you have to, now you see like, Jordan's starting to do it more, but you, Chloe does break lines and Deanne does break lines and they do it. And Nichelle, and this is so helpful to stretch the opposition and make sure we can play yes. between pockets. If your forwards aren't doing it, your midfields are got to do it. And our midfielders don't do it that often. And so we, we've, for the last year and a half, we've been really, really playing in the tight and then not having people dribble either. You're like, how are we possibly, it's going to be yeah. one offs and breaks or, or you're waiting for set pieces and Vanessa Gilles where now we can see like Canada's dangerous in open play. And those two yeah. goals in open play were huge. Yeah, but that was, sorry, Claire, I just wanted to add to that before we move on to something else, but yeah. like that lack of depth in, in the team shape in the first half, I kind of felt bad for, for Evelyn. I wanted her to go on and I so desperately wanted her to make an impact, but she unfortunately didn't really get a ton of service. And when she was, she was dropping back so deep to receive yeah. as that outlet. Well, one, I don't think we were tidy enough in, in possession. I thought we gave the ball away needlessly. So then, and then we weren't as connected or the team wasn't as connected defensively in terms of those regains. So when you were losing it, like there, you were missing that, um, that kind of team shape, that cohesive team shape that I think we saw more of in the second half. Um, so anyway, so I think, um, Evelyn maybe in that first half didn't do enough to hold up that ball, but then there was a lack of depth, I think, in the way that the team was, was setting up. And so trying to break out and to get field position just couldn't do it. And Jordan Heidema, I remember having the thought in probably, you know, late 60s, probably right before sync came on, I was thinking, man, she's looking tired She's, you know, poor decision-making, giving the ball away. And all of a sudden she just found a different gear. And, and I think it was via that high press. And then I thought, you know, everything that we've wanted Jordan Heidema to be, I think she, she just came to life. Like she used that the energy of, of being the trigger on that press. And then that sort of got imbued into her attacking game. And I don't know if that was, was part and parcel with her finding the back of the net, but she just seemed to be energized by that uptick in, in energy around the 70th minute where it was clearly the plan to apply a more aggressive press. Yeah, my, my thought was actually about Haidaba, Um and that, I mean, I've, I've been very um, critical and at times, well, not at times, uh, critical and skeptical of, of like where she actually fits um, in this team. And I think there's been this push to, and this, this was part of my criticism of like really kind of sticking with the same plan for so long was like, look, you can't just swap Heidema for Sinclair. That's not how this works. They're different players. And it really wasn't working. Like she was scoring goals against very weak teams, but against good teams, she just couldn't do it. And I think I think when they play the way they're playing and those, the, the kind of wide front two, you can't see me use air quotes. <laughs> um, 
audio my kid, medium. My kid uses them. My kid uses them now so inappropriately. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're just saying I have to eat breakfast and then put air quotes around that. I'm like, yeah, I, pref- I, I prefer air quotes. Like I wish my kids were still doing that. Now they're saying D's nuts. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. We don't, we don't need more of these nuts guys. He got in trouble at school for trying to get another kid to say the F word. And I'm like, oh. Oh, that's my fault. Um, anyway, so, listening to Amy on here. Uh, yeah. Ap- apologies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that this system actually benefits Haidema in a lot of ways because I, I think in this system, cause, um, Sorry, I'm going to bounce around a bit here, but when they played Ireland in the World Cup, I actually thought, and in the second half, the half where they did did fairly well, Heidema did really well out wide in that half, and um, and so there's times where she works really hard defensively and, and can do really well out wide, and I think when they when it pinch when they pinch those front three in a little bit and allow them to function a bit more like a unit, it gets it gets more out of her. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of optimistic in some ways about that. Um, I think re your comments about what happens defensively when they're pressed, um, and they can become this kind of flat, um, back five, back three, um, or back five midfield three, I, I think is right. And I, I think gives me, um, that gives me a little bit of cause for concern because when they, they're playing against, like I mean, Jamaica was was not great, um, and Brazil was was good, but I think there's still another level above that. And if they're playing against teams that can press more consistently and more, um, uh, well, just more consistently and more in, in a even more organized way, I worry that they get pinned and and will have trouble breaking out of that. Um, and and then it won't look much different from what it looked like or from, from what it's looked like in the past. So I, I guess that's one of my concerns. My other concern is, uh, I think Amy, you alluded to how often they coughed up the ball. Like there were a lot of times where, where the ball was on, like possession was unnecessarily conceded and, and that, that absolutely has to be cleaned up. And I know they've got time and they've got more games now, fortunately, but, but that certain being much more kind of conscious of, of, um, of, of the, the, the simple, easy things. And, and, and yeah, just like reset earlier, put your foot on the ball and start again, if it's not on, cause coughing the ball up like that will, will get you absolutely burned against good teams, particularly in highly competitive environments. So they can't do that anymore. Um, so, but speaking of that, Claire, so how do you think this team keeps taking steps and how do you think they look against Australia in this next series? Yeah, that's, such an interesting opponent choice, hey? I, I, I thought- think I, I heard, though, that that was part of sort of an exchange. Like when they played those games against um, Brazil, like it was always the plan that Brazil – no, wait, when did they play? I don't uh, – that, that it was always going to be home games against Brazil again. And then, uh, yeah, because they played Australia in advance of the World yeah. Cup, right? So then that was always part of the deal that they were, gonna, they were playing them there and then they were going to host them. But it, like, just interesting. I kind of thought and almost hoped it would be the Americans. I don't know why I felt that way. I think just because, well, just because, like, I mean, there's so much history with that team. But also, uh, you know, Christine plays with some of those players. Like, I thought that would be kind of a nice, um, 
thing. And I was just, I was like, Australian. An acrimonious farewell. Let's make it against the Yanks. <laughs> Come on, you Canadians. I thought, I thought they'd be really willing, you know, to play ball. I, and I'm not saying the Australians will, but really willing to, you know, play ball with the ceremony and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. But, yeah. um, but I, I was like, it, it, I, part of me was like Australia too soon. Um, no, yes. I love it. Like, grudge no, match. Let's maybe, go. Maybe that's just that. Maybe that's just me having been scarred from like being on site during that game, where I was just like, oh, "Okay, this is happening." Um, how do they match up? Yeah. So th- that I, th- I, I don't, I don't know. And I think that it'll be a good test for them because Australia tends to have a very "we don't give a shit who you are" approach to playing these games, and will press with speed and with, with, with numbers at times. And that's what overwhelmed them at the world cup. So, um, how they break out of that, I'm not sure. I mean, that's really up to them. Um, but I do think that they need to make sure that they are careful with the ball. Don't concede possession quickly. And then I'd like to see them start to, from kind of saying those from a more defensive standpoint, but offensively, have to sustain possession beyond two and three passes, right? Like this meaningful and dangerous possession, not just holding the ball in the back. And I think they've, they've started to do that, but sustaining that beyond just the two and three passes and then losing the ball, like actually being able to sustain some momentum um, is, is really important. So just really, it comes down to being careful with the ball. I think uh, you also talked about it, Claire, what happens when you're playing a team that's in the top five in the world. And so this is Australia. Um, And I thought Brazil were very good, but they were disorganized. They're still working under their coach in in their press. So talking about giving up possession cheaply, the issue is you're under a huge press. And so who are you giving it to? And then that person's under pressure and they kept trying to find it sort of going North South and they, they had to figure out a way to use their width on the opposite side and they couldn't get it there. It just didn't seem to find those pockets of, of space on the field to just give the team a second. So they were sort of playing in the tight and then getting stuck and then getting back into defensive transition or totally defensive shape and everyone dropping. So they just, that's, part and parcel the issue with this this very committed defensive team is all the numbers are back so even when you do regain you've got your nine but it's not it wasn't Evelyn Vienne's issue like yes she needs to keep the ball but when you get it you need someone underneath you and then the person underneath you they need the width and then the width they need the nine like it's um it's a domino effect when everyone is low it it's not just finding the outlet you the outlet then needs an outlet and that outlet it's three passes to break a press and we weren't getting there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we gave up possession cheaply, but it was because we had so many numbers back. And Jordan, I'm going to go back to talking about Jordan. Um, Jordan has all the skill sets to be – she's she's very, very good. And I get very, very angry watching her. And I'll tell her this. <laughs> and I'll tell Because I think – like, if we're only going to press after 70, that's a mistake. So we got to get fitter. We have to push now. Um, because we are a different team when we press. And I think against top teams, they are going to take advantage if we're not pressing. And I don't mean a full team press. I mean, holding our line high. I mean, getting out faster. I mean, like making sure that our wingbacks are are playing right on the edge um, and off shoulders and trusting their speed to get back if necessary. Um, especially on the opposite side, they've got to they've got to fall back a little bit more just to make sure that you're covering the the opposite side center backs back shoulder. 
Um, but we've got to start pushing our lines and being more dangerous. And that's when Jordan came alive for me is when she had numbers around her and felt braver to do things because she did take people on 1v1 against Ireland and it was successful. But then as soon as she missed a few in the other game, she stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it too late. Like she's waiting, waiting, waiting. And then there's like people getting a toe in or it's getting out. Like players need to make decisions faster. Are you taking someone on? And if you are, do it. And if you're not, then go back around, make that decision faster. That's what I mean about the speed of the ball. And for me, Jordan in this game was playing in that like safety zone. There weren't enough people around her for her to be like, well, I just don't want to give up the ball or she's, she was taking too long to make the decision. But as soon as there was that feeling of people around her, then she started to do things and she'd track back and she'd get a toe in and it would go to a Canadian player instead of an opposition player. And then she was back on the attack. And, um, you know, she's a good header of the ball. She's not a great one. But if she gets in the box like she did, she could become a great one because you can see now Ashley's getting higher. We're getting good crosses into the box and Ashley picking out the back post, like absolutely the right decision. Jordan being there, she had to bust a gut to get there. I love that attitude and then getting up in enough time and just getting it on target uh, was a, was really, really nice to see because she has that in her and she should be doing it much more often. Um, but I do think it's that numbers piece. You know what it feels like when you've got teammates around you. So if you make a mistake, it's not like, oh God, the whole team has to stream back defensively. It's actually the next person's there to try and win it. Gives you time to recover and it's not like a whole 60, 80 yard sprint back. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she had a good game second half. Um, I thought she started to really show what, what she could do. So, yeah, I um, think second half of that second half, and maybe we can end on this one. I want you got your guys' thoughts. We never didn't really dive into, uh, yours guys, as I said, a very East coast there. Use Canadians. You've been there for like four days. (laughs) I know it's just like, it put it directly into my veins, this East coast lifestyle business but like, do you think do you guys do you guys think that so there's been lots of talk about this team's attacking identity do you think that going back and reclaiming that that defensive solidity that sort of that won them that gold medal i think they've evolved since then but is the press a key component of then regaining the ball higher and then attacking from there. Like there's good defensive, I mean, it's going to get into like cliches and tropes, but like does the good defensive shape and mentality lead you to then be successful on the attack? I mean, I, I would, I would hope so. I think I would, I would like this team to sort of break out of, I mean, they were not good offensively. They were not great offensively in the Olympics. Right. Like they, they won. I mean, they, they had some moments, but like, I would say that they were defensively, like it was the most cohesive team defensive performance in the Olympic games. Right. They weren't necessarily brilliant offensively. They didn't score a goal in the run of play in the knockout round. So, um, so I think that's great, but I think they need to break out of this weary, like our identity is this like defensive identity because um, then they're not going to progress beyond that. And, and, and they need to, they need to find a way to, to turn that kind of defensive organization, which, wasn't great at the world cup, but was fantastic at the Olympics. They need to be able to turn that into offensive production. And I think that you're right, like the organization and then building on the press and then building on this formation where they have a little bit more of a cohesive front three, um, I think will be uh, beneficial for them. They just need to, they just need to kind of change that mindset a little bit more and, and, and utilize it. Um, And then, yeah, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going to end. 
that's it. Our train of thought's done. What do you think, Ray, in terms of attacking, attacking identity? I think we, we um, as Canadians, I do think we have a clear identity and I don't think you have to lose it completely. So that attitude to get back and to do the hard yards is fundamental to our players. It It is. So yeah. I would say like that is something I never want to lose. But then what does it mean? I love what, that's what Claire said for me is like we our attacking identity has got to mean that we've got players higher up and we've got to keep the ball for long enough to get players up the field. So we cannot it can't mean that defensive um, identity can't mean everyone back like it, it doesn't. You have to do the work. You've got to do it. So it's how it translates. And uh, so I, I agree with with Claire, like we can't we've got to just keep figuring out what it means. And, and I do think there's times where high press is necessary, but it's very dangerous to say at 70, we're going to high press because there are times in games where at 70, no one, everyone's dying. And so then your high press moment that's meant to be this big finale for a game is a bit of like an, you know, a wet bag because no one has the energy. So what if wet you've used bag. yourself? What? <laughs> the visual. Yeah. In my forties. You said yeah, wet bag. I, think, I like, thought flaccid attempt. Like it's all. It's all right there. Oh, I agree. God. It's like it's like the gun with like the flag, and it's like ugh. Right. It's just a big letdown instead of being this crescendo yeah, and finale. Yeah, You've got to make your subs. You got to have fresh legs to do that. And what if you're stuck? I don't know. It's a it's a dangerous um. It's a dangerous game plan for me. I mean, it really worked in this game. I, I think I've been on teams where it really hasn't worked because only one person's able to do it and everyone else is just trying to survive the game. And you've got to change that attitude. And in terms of changing it, you've got to get more people on the field who are going to bring it. And then that's not always the case. Like you're not always able to do it. So, um, yeah, I think we've got all the components is how do we how do we get them firing? And Australia will be a phenomenal test for that. I think we'll see more change ups in Victoria. And then I would say in, in Vancouver, we're going to see Sinky start and come off mm-hmm. um, just after yes. half so that she gets the the, the ovation she deserves. Yeah. But if, if Sinky's on, then we, we're going to see a lot of speed around her um, and yeah. probably seeing her. Um, sort of getting on the ball and, and dictating a lot of the the play. Cause she, she is someone who doesn't always get as far back. Um, that's something that she brings as she plays off shoulders. So hopefully she can be an outlet um, against an Australian team. That's very, very good. And will high press. Yep. And I just, those two BC games and, and Montreal, um, Halifax, where prior to that, where there was another sellout, like we're on a heck of a run here, Canada. So keep showing up for this women's national team. The men's national team is also playing at BMO in November. So keep showing, I think, Canada soccer and, and ourselves, really, that like we want to show up and, and watch high-level football, whether it's the men playing or the women playing. And the Voyagers, so voyagers.org, you can go there for a price of a cup of coffee. You can donate to the Christ- Christine Sinclair TIFO Fund. So they're, they've got yes. a big plan for that game at BC Plays, and they've opened up the Upper Bowl. So it should also be a sellout. And that's fabulous. It's what Christine deserves. She didn't get enough, I think, flowers and accolades over the course of her career. So it's we can we can send her off properly. And um, I, the Voyagers will no doubt have something really cool planned. But they, but they need the funds to do it. So if you can only donate a couple bucks, donate a couple bucks. If you can donate more, donate more. So really looking forward to being out there. I mentioned, uh, I don't think you were on, Claire. Maybe you've hopped off. But I booked my ticket. I'm going to be at that Yay! game. Come to Salt Spring. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I'm going to be at the BC Place one on December 5th. 
But listen, if I can, if I can swing it, holy hell, I'll be at both. But I think a bunch of alumni are, are going to be out there and well, three of us here. So that's good. Are you going to be over in Vancouver too, Claire? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go regardless. Um, I, I'll take my kid to the Victoria one probably. Um, but yeah, the, the Vancouver one being midweek is a bit of a, a, I know that like international windows are international windows, but like Tuesday, come on. They're not Um, necessarily parenting (laughs) windows. They're not parenting (laughs) windows. And they're also not like, could it not have been like almost the other way, like the Tuesday before? I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of, you can write an email, Claire. I don't know. I am. I'm going to write something on Twitter. That's how you get things done. Right. Um, yeah, clearly. And I think they've opened up half of the upper bowl. Is that not oh, right? okay? I think it, and it's, it just, yeah. Just open up the whole thing. Come on. Yeah. Let's go people. Let's sell it out. Sell out what they've got now and then keep making them open. Yeah. Keep making them open. Yeah. Keep showing up. Yeah. All right. Well, we, I'm going to end it. I'm going to call it. I said, let's keep this a tight 45. It's now an hour plus, but thank you to you both. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you to everybody Thanks, for listening. Pretty Prime the Broadcast. Keep broadening your horizons. Talk to you guys soon. Follow us on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. I just noticed I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.